We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Women Worth Knowing. My name is Jasmine Allnut. I am joined by Cheryl Broderson. Yes, and today, <laughs> okay, so we're going to do something a little bit. We're going to actually go back to what we were doing before. Um, you guys might recall a couple months back, we were doing a bunch of uh, Reformation ladies, right? Reformation era women and just kind of covering even like the Middle Ages, all of that good stuff. Well, we're going to jump right back into all of that. Well, we had actually, a bunch of guests come, and yes. so we had to put them. But this is pre-Reformation, but it's connected. It's connected. That's okay. We're still in the same vein. It's going to come like, what, 300 years before? That's all right. But it connects. It connects, yes. (laughs) All right. So, yeah, that's totally fine. So let's launch back in. Go for it. But you know what? I love that we have the freedom to interrupt this program when we need to. Yes. Because, you see, we get missionaries in town or special guests in town. We know they're in town. And we're just like, we interrupt this program to bring you an incredible living testimony. Exactly. Because Jasmine and I love living testimonies. It's not just that every woman worth knowing is dead. Yeah. Um, There are women (laughs) who are alive right now in our midst, um, sometimes not even that close to us, but we know of them, Mm -hmm, that are mm -hmm. um, really should be known. Absolutely. And yeah. um, we want you to know them. And when we say women worth knowing, we're really talking about we want these women to feel like they're your friends. Don't That's we? a great way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Yes, I so agree. So there are a lot of women that you think, wow, they should be known because they're a good friend or mm. they've done something really noble. Again, if you yeah. have a woman, please write us. Mm-hmm. If you've got a mom or a sister or a neighbor or just somebody, uh, someday I'm going to talk about Mrs. Grimshaw, who oh, was my good news um, club teacher Aww. and what an influence she had in my life. Maybe mm-hmm. you have a good news club teacher or somebody who just Sunday school teacher. Somebody mm-hmm. who just ministered to you, will you write to us and mm-hmm. let us know? And yes. you would write that at www.k at cccm.com. Yes. Yes. Good. You're getting it now. I, am. I always have to do the email address. It but is. We're gonna, it's all the yeah. letters. It's all the letters. <laughs> Good job, Cheryl. So today I want to talk, I'm going to go way back to the 1200s. Yes. And I want to talk about Elizabeth of Hungary. Mm. What an incredible woman. Mm-hmm. So she's born in 1207, and she's born to Hungarian royalty. Her father was King Andrew II of Hungary, and her mother was Gertrude Adek Moran. And I'm probably wow. butchering all these things because I only speak English and uno poquito español. Yep, and even then, everyone's, pre- <laughs> you know— Fixing my accent, including Jasmine sometimes. Hey, you, 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 you hang in there. She helps me. <laughs> she helps me a lot. But her mother was said to hail from a beautiful family. So mm. Gertrude was known for like being beautiful, and her sisters were beautiful, and her brother was really handsome. And her mother was beautiful, a noted beauty. So, you know, those Hungarian beauties, right? Oh, wow. And so she's known for this incredible beauty. And she married... King Andrew II. Now, her sister married King Philip of August, Auguste, France, and another sister married a powerful duke. And her brother became the Duke of Morania, which mm-hmm. is kind of um, where her family was from, Moran. Okay. So Gertrude was very powerful, and she has a very powerful influence on her husband, King Andrew. And she also had um, all these ties to Catholic notables. And 
she made all these alliances to protect the kingdom and to protect herself. Hmm. But she was taking the land of Hungary and she was dividing up the best places in Hungary, the best lands, and she was giving it to her relatives or to those who did favors for her. Yeah. And so they said that she actually made land grants that took away one third of the property of Hungary. Wow. So the nobles are getting really upset oh, about this because yeah. these are That's the, cool. you know, the best fields, the best, you know, wineries, the best of everything in Hungary, and it's going to non-Hungarians and her family members. Very unwise. Right. So she's not popular at <laughs> all because the nobles and even the commoners feel like she is squandering their precious land of Hungary. Mm. Now, she is very, very, very ambitious also, besides giving those land grants away. She decided that even when her children were young, she was going to make royal arrangements for each of her children. Like a marriage? Yes, marriage alliances. So after the birth of her daughter, Elizabeth, Gertrude arranged a marriage for her with the heir to the throne of Thuringia. Thuringia? Thuringia. Okay, thank you. This is, again, this is a... German, yes, like German place. Name. It's in. It's in. It was East Germany. Italy. It's kind of in uh-huh. Central Germany, but it was actually like Bavaria was an area. So, so it's uh, one of those areas, right? Okay. It was one of those areas. So in Thuringia, there was a Wartburg yes. Castle. Yes, Wartburg, <laughs> Wartburg Castle, and Wartburg Castle at the time was ruled by Hermann the First and his wife Sophia. So Gertrude really wanted this marriage because it would benefit Hungary, Mm. supplying them with much needed financial aid because Herman and his wife, Sophia, were very, very uh, well endowed. Mm. But it would also provide protection from invasion from uh, the other kings of Germany. So if they found out that Herman and Sophia are in this alliance, you know, the king of uh, Thuringia is in this alliance with Gertrude and Andrew II of Hungary, they're not going to attack Hungary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know how much you know of the history of Hungary, but Hungary was constantly being overrun, yeah. you know, either by the Greeks or by the Turks. Mm-hmm. So their independence and their security was very, very important yeah, to them. Eastern Europe had it rough. They were always getting overrun by those, someone. Those feudal kings. Yeah. So Elizabeth was taken to Wartburg Palace in 1211 at Get this, the age of four. So Gertrude gives Elizabeth over at four years old and says, you train her. To be a a wife for your husband. To be a wife for your son. So Sophia, her future mother-in-law, became her tutor and her mentor. Hmm. And Sophia was grooming Elizabeth to be the wife of her son and the queen of Thuringia. Immediately, Elizabeth, at four years old, began lessons in Latin, (laughs) the arts, especially poetry, because the kingdom of Thuringia or whatever, was noted for the arts, especially their poetry, their painting, and also for their spiritual demeanor, Mm. for being very religious. So she had to train in these subjects. Elizabeth was an enthusiastic learner. In fact, they said she was highly intelligent, Mm. and she just caught on, and she was even exuberant, which Sophia really looked down on. Like, no, 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 you're too boisterous. And this is a four or five-year-old, you know, like, you know, calm down. Good luck with that. (laughs) Because you need to have a temperament that is befitting Mm. royalty. So when Elizabeth was either six or seven, it was in uh, 1213, 
She heard of her mother's assassination by Hungarian nobles. So they had gotten tired of Gertrude and her, you know, giving away these lands in Hungary. So they murdered her and then the lands were restored to the Hungarian people. Interestingly enough, her father, Andrew II, would go on to marry two more times and have more children. Was he just really passive? I mean, he just kind of let his wife... That's what I've heard. Rule the roost. Yeah. Well, that's what it's I read. Yeah, I just, you know, it depends <laughs> on which article you read. Yeah, but, yeah. but actually, that's true. But you're going to see it with Lewis, too, which is interesting. Mm. So Elizabeth had a vivid dream after she heard the news. And she saw her mother uh, murdered before her eyes by these perpetrators. And she saw her mom's blood everywhere. And even though she's only six or seven, she began to pray that the Lord would forgive her mother's murderers. And that she would forgive them. So that's the type of temperament she has. But after her mother's murder, they said that she became very, very serious. She was a serious child. She was sober. And the exuberance just Mm -hmm. left her. And she began, even as a child, to hunger for spiritual things. And perhaps it was, you know, life after death or to make her life count. Mm -hmm. When she was nine years old, that fiancé that she was brought all the way to Wartburg yes. Palace, her castle for, died. Oh so she's nine years old, and now her future's in jeopardy. Her mom is dead. Her dad is remarried. And she is like a, a burden on the castle. But her fiancé had a little brother named Louis. He was a little bit younger than his brother, who I never could find a name. I think he might have been Ludwig, but I'm not sure. So anyway, uh, this brother, Louis, he was older than Elizabeth, of course, but he had always admired her and thought she was just this darling little girl. And they had been friends. And he was just kind of the sympathizer at Wartburg Castle of little Mm -hmm. Elizabeth. So just about a year after mm-hmm. her fiancé died, mm-hmm. her future father-in-law also died, Herman the first, wow. who would have been her father-in-law. Oh, gosh. So he died. So she's got all this death at, you know, at like 11 years old. Mm-hmm. She's experienced her mother, her fiancé, who, you know, she was being groomed to marry. And now Herman is not in charge of the kingdom, but Louis is, or Louis. So... He is the new heir to the throne, and he liked Elizabeth. As I said, they've been close friends. And Elizabeth was said to be, even at this young age, so beautiful, Mm. like her mother. And there are pictures of her, because she was later made into a saint. And the pictures of her, if she really looked like that, she was beautiful. (laughs) Right. So Louis chose Elizabeth as his future bride. And they were married when Elizabeth was... 14. Wow. 14. A year after the young couple got married, they decided to visit Hungary and to visit her father. And when Elizabeth arrived, she was heart sick to see how much damage the kingdom of Hungary had incurred from the revolt of the nobles. So it didn't stop with just her mother's murder. They had gone on, you know, grabbing back their property. Oh, my gosh. There had been all these wars and all these civil wars. So she returned to Thuringia, or Thuringia, or that place, and (laughs) Elizabeth began to devote herself to spiritual matters. And she met about this time a Franciscan friar named Father Rodinger, which is totally, how would you say that? That's German. 
Rodinger? I'd have to see Rod- it, but it sounds Rodinger. right to me. R-O-D-I-N-G-E-R. Rodinger. Father Rodinger, which I'm just going to anglicize his name to Rodinger. Do it. Father Rodinger had been heavily influenced by St. Francis of Assisi. And he believed in helping the poor. So under Father Rodinger's tutelage, Elizabeth built a hospital for lepers and for the poor. And her husband, Louis, was just part of everything she was doing. Sweet. And then she also built an orphanage. And she began to establish programs that would train the poor in trades so that they could earn money for themselves and not be dependent on the state. So she was really, really wise. And Mm -hmm. so she was teaching these younger women who are impoverished how to weave. Uh, She was teaching skills to the men of how to make furniture. I mean, it was just... Very forward thinking. Yeah, very progressive in a good sense. Really (laughs) good sense. She also set up, she worked with these nuns and monks and farmers to set up food distribution. Wow. But she she wanted to employ people also. Mm. In 1225, her husband was called off to lead a military campaign. Again, like we said, those fighting Europeans. Oh, yes. <laughs> Add it again. So this left Elizabeth in charge of running the province. And she's like um, 18 and 19 oh years gosh. old. And she's already had three children. Hmm. So it was said that over 900 people ascended uh, from Eisenach. Eisenach, yeah. Eisenach, mm-hmm. 1,300 feet to the castle because they were so desperate for food, oh 900. Gosh. But there were sel- still some down below in Eisenach mm-hmm. who were dying. And so Elizabeth was just like, we've got to feed them. So she ordered her staff to start making soup and bread from morning to night that they could distribute poor because they're at her gate, these these poor people. In fact, it was said that these these poor, impoverished, hungry people were searching the forests and fields for any nuts, berries, roots, even eating the bark off of trees oh and branches and eating whatever wild animals, rats or, Ugh, you know, whatever they desperate. could find. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So that's how bad the starvation was. So she's only 19 and she takes the royal money. That is her own dowry. She takes that and she begins to feed the poor. Mm-hmm. She even, they said, would put a peasant's cloak on and descend from um, Wartburg Castle mm-hmm. to Eisenach, and so she could distribute the food herself. Amazing. And she really reached out to those who were too weak to climb the hill, and she would deliver the food to their houses. And she attended to many of the sick herself. She was nursing them herself. She would make beds. She would comfort the sick. She would feed them. Wow. She even sold most of her jewels in order to pay the monks and the nuns and the priests and the farmers to set up food kitchens to feed the people. And incredible. all this time, even while she's doing all this food distribution and tending towards the poor and her own children, she's still attending to all her royal duties. She's, she's presiding over all the meetings and court proceedings, and she's entertaining dignitaries and facilitating royal festivals of the official state. She's doing all of it, and she's doing it well. Hmm. However, the officials are angry with her, and especially Sophia, her mother-in-law, is so, so angry. They consider 
what Elizabeth is doing, mixing with commoners, even oh, feeding that. the commoners, yeah. to be demeaning and disrespectful mm. to the throne and even wasteful. Uh, they kind of have the thing like, let the peasants die if they can't provide for yes, themselves. Yes, you must maintain this barrier. Wow. Mm-hmm. You have survival of the yeah, fittest yeah. even before you know, uh, Darwin was around. Yeah, totally. So her mother-in-law, Sophia, as well as some of these officials sent word to Lewis um, while he's on this campaign that his wife was bankrupting the kingdom and going too far in her efforts to take care of the people of um, Terengia. Mm-hmm. So rather than becoming angry with his young wife, when he heard what she was doing, he praised her saying, let my good little Elizabeth give to the poor as much as she pleases. Wow. So long as she leaves me of Artberg at Nomberg, alms will never ruin us. So Nomberg was the other <laughs> castle that they owned. So he says, as long as I still have a home to come home to, Aww. I'm just fine. That is so unusual. Isn't to have it? A, a mari- I mean, not just to have one person in the couple that wants to serve people, but to yeah. have them both on the same page. But it shows that they really were friends. Yeah. And you know, friendship is so important in it's any true. relationship. And that's what they have with each other. Yeah. Real so, mutual respect. Mm-hmm. Then when he reached the castle, when he was coming back from this campaign, Elizabeth threw herself into her husband's arms. I mean, mm-hmm. she loved Lewis and he loved her. And he asked her, dear sister, what has become of your poor people during this terrible year? <laughs> and she said this, I gave to God what was his and God has kept for us what was yours and mine. Wow. So she was overheard at one point praying, Oh, Lord, how can I sufficiently thank you for having given me the opportunity to serve these poor ones who are your dearest friends? So instead of looking at them as, um, and many did, cursed by God because they were poor, she realized, and probably because of the influence of Father Rodinger, Mm -hmm. that these poor were God's closest friends, just Mm. like St. Francis of Assisi, who gave up his wealth to to serve the poor. So every time Lewis was called away, Elizabeth continued her charitable work. And there is a story that she discovered a poor boy covered with leprosy mm-hmm. and brought him up and put him in her husband's bed because no one would help him. So she felt like she could nurse him because she wanted to nurse him day and night. But he, the little boy succumbed to the leprosy, but she wanted to make his life as pleasant mm-hmm. and you know, like opulent as she possibly could because of his suffering. Hmm. Well, when her mother-in-law, Sophia, saw this, she was absolutely horrified. Oh, I'm sure. And she sent word to Lewis. And Lewis, when he returned, she showed him the leprous boy in his bed. And she accused Elizabeth of trying to give Lewis leprosy by letting this boy be in (laughs) their bed. Again, though, Lewis... Yeah. Praised his wife's kindness. You know, when you get a kind wife, you know it. You're like, I'm not trading this one in. Totally. Jeez. And whenever Lewis was gone, Elizabeth wore plain dark clothes. She would wear peasant clothes. And she said this, It is not vanity or pride that leads me to dress this way. For I would not give my husband any occasions of discontent or sin by having anything in me to displease him. So part of the reason that Mm. she wore those kind of clothes is because 
she didn't want anyone to flirt with her. Right. She was Not really to be beautiful. too attractive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but whenever Lewis was home, she put on all of her finery. Aww. And she just wanted to look beautiful for them. After their first son, Herman, was born, she walked barefoot to the chapel in Eisenach and laid her son on the altar praying, My God and my Lord, with all my heart I give my child to you as you have given him to me. Please receive this child, I'll bathe in my tears, into the number of your servants and friends, and bless him. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth and Lewis had three more children, four altogether. In 1227, Lewis went to the land of Palestine Whoa. to fight a crusade against the Muslims in order to save Jerusalem and the holy relics. Mm-hmm. He probably— One of the crusades. The yep. crusades. And sometime during the crusade, he caught a fever. And perhaps people believe it might have been typhoid fever mm-hmm. because at that time, Israel was filled with swamps. And there were—it um, might have been mm-hmm. malaria or typhoid yeah, fever because of the mosquitoes. So Lewis died, and the court officials Mm. who hated Elizabeth, they expelled her from Wartburg Castle and from all royal lands. It was actually her brother-in-law, Duke Henry, who was Lewis's younger brother. He takes over everything. And she was officially accused by the court of Wartburg Castle of ruining the country, wasting the treasury, and dishonoring her husband. And so none of the people in Eisenach were allowed to take her in. And so she's roaming the streets with her four children, and it's wintertime, and nobody will take her in. All those poor people. she did for them? mm -hmm. Crazy. All that she fed. They're so afraid Mm. of Duke Henry and how violent he is that they won't take her in. She's not even allowed to take any of her possessions or a cloak or blankets for her children. And in fact, the guards even pushed her hostily outside the gate. And she was holding her youngest baby daughter in her arms, and she went into Eisenach. So um, finally, an innkeeper allowed her and her children to sleep in his barn where he raised the pigs. So they were sleeping among pigs. But she thanked the Lord because at least the pigs kept them warm. Mm. That's how she was. While her children slept, Elizabeth made her way to the Franciscan convent where she and Louis which they had established, and she sang a hymn and prayed. The convent, um, which happened to be the abscess of Abbas of Kitzinger, took Elizabeth and her children in and said, this is God's house. Mm, good. At least from here, no one um, can drive you away. Elizabeth supported and fed her family by weaving. It was a skill that she had picked up while she was training others. Mm-hmm. She even saved a bit of everything she earned so she could continue to feed the poor. And she prayed, oh, yes, Lord, if you will be with me, I will be with you, and I wish never to be parted from you. Elizabeth's uncle, the Bishop of Bamberg, which was her father's brother, offered her one of his castles and tried to arrange uh, an advantageous marriage for her with Frederick II, who was an emperor, Mm. and she received both. At the same time, the knights who had fought with Louis on the Crusades, they returned from Israel. And when they found out what Duke Henry had done, they were absolutely enraged. And because they're the most powerful nobles in the land, they fought for her rightful inheritance from her marriage, what was, you know, Louis's, and they won. Good. And Elizabeth took all that money and bought a simple house in a place called uh, Wurda which was, you know, far enough from Eisenach to be safe. And she also bought homes for all her children 
and placed them with her wealthy friends where they could receive a proper education while she devoted herself to spinning and feeding the poor. Mm. And at that same time, she came under the tutelage of another Franciscan monk, a Conrad of Marburg. But he put her on a budget because he said, <laughs> you can't continue to give all of your money away. You need to keep some mm-hmm. to, to buy your own food. I mean, right. she just didn't care about herself. And, yeah. <laughs> but while she was taking care of the sick, she succumbed to one of the diseases mm-hmm. of those she was tending. And she began to die. She mm-hmm. knew she was dying. And during these final weeks, her father dispatched ambassadors to check on her. And he had heard rumors of her poverty. And the ambassador who came, who was a family friend, grieved when he saw the hovel that she lived in on her spinning wool. And he exclaimed, did anyone before see a king's daughter spinning wool? He begged her to go back to Hungary and to return to her father's royal court as her father wanted. But she said, tell my dearest father that I am more happy than he is in his regal pomp. And that far from sorrowing over me, he ought to rejoice that he is a child in the service of the king of heaven. Hmm. In her last two weeks of life, she distributed all her wealth between her children and the last remaining riches to programs to feed the poor. Her last words were, let us speak of Jesus who came to redeem the world. He will redeem me also. And she died on November 19, 1231 at 24 years old. 24? 24. So young. I knew it was young. I couldn't remember how young. Wow. So young. But I've got a fun fact. Man. So, you know, you think about how she was at um, Wartburg Castle, which was built in 1067 by Louis the Springer. I don't know what that Louis means. Springer. And names. it is said that when he saw the mountain, he exclaimed, here's your word, oh. your sentence. He said in German, Waterberg, du sollst mir eine Burg tragen. See, it helps that you took German. <laughs> A long time ago. Yes, but you did that so well. So what that means, do you know what that means? Go ahead. I didn't look at something. You must mountain. Look at this. Wait, mountain. You shall bear my castle. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. So anyway, that was interesting. <laughs> Years later, in 1521 and through 1527, Wartburg Castle will become a refuge for Martin Luther. Mm. And one of the descendants of Elizabeth would become one of Martin Luther's best friends and advocates. Really? So isn't that just, like, awesome? But Amazing. It was in Wartburg Castle that Martin Luther hid under the pseudonym Junker George. Oh, Junker George. Okay. Junker, say it again. Junker George? Yeah. So J-U-N-K-E-R. Junker. J-O-R-G. <laughs> which meant Knight George. Oh. George the Knight. Cute. You know, Knight George. Martin Luther would translate the New Testament from Greek to German at Wartburg Castle. And do you know how long it took him? I don't know, a year? Ten weeks. Ten we- what? He was so brilliant. Oh, he was. He was oh so my brilliant. Gosh. So it was taken by the Russians after World War II and remained part of East Germany until the uh, fall of the Berlin Wall. But guess what? Wartburg Castle still stands. Hmm. Still stands. And now every year they celebrate Martin Luther there, and they also celebrate Elizabeth of Hungary. Oh, they do. That's she was awesome. canonized. I think it was two years after she died, she was canonized. Um, Oh, yeah. I'm not surprised. By the Catholic Church, but Protestants have tried to claim her, too, because there there were mystic stories that Mm -hmm. arose after her death. But those who knew her during her life who 
you know, mm. benefited from her life, wrote her story out too. So that's it. Elizabeth of Hungary. What an amazing woman. Yes. Just, wow. Young. <laughs> Young. I mean, to think that, you know, at nine years old, she starts seeking spiritual things. Mm. And it's, it kind of reminds me of King Josiah, doesn't mm. it? Yes. That that's when he's great, yeah, young, he commits parallel. himself to the Lord mm. and he just walks with the Lord and lives righteously all Very his life. Amazing. And even when the poor wouldn't let her in at the I end know. out of fear, I know it was out of fear, but the fact that she continued to serve them yes, and not hold a grudge or expect yeah. from them. Well, it's just, you know, remember the heart when, of Christ. She was, <laughs> when she was six or seven, she forgave even her mother's That's murders. True. That's true. Yeah. So I'm just, age. just amazing. So that was Elizabeth Hungry, but we know that you have amazing people in your life too. So please write us. We've gotten about, how many would you say? Maybe 10 suggestions? I think we've had, yeah, we've had quite a few of those. But yeah. we love them. And some of them we have already done and you need to go back and maybe <laughs> check out you know, which ones we've done. And we hope that you really enjoy them. But this is Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnut saying... Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time for another Woman Worth Knowing. That's right. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnut. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Jasmine on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at wwk at cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnutt.